Hello everyone. Welcome to this edition of Clarity Chat podcast. I have with me Prabir Jha. He was the president and global chief people officer at Cipla and CHRO at Reliance, Tata Motors and Dr. Reddy's before that. All of these before starting his own advisory firm a few years back. In today's session, our discussion will focus on the most challenging areas of digital transformation. People, talent and culture. The arenas where digital transformation competition is being fought. I will pick Prabir's brains on how HR and IT need to work together to guide the transformation agenda. This is the 13th episode of Clarity Chat podcast. And here comes an exciting discussion with Prabir Chha. Welcome Prabir. Did you know that 83% of technology implementations fail to achieve expected business outcomes? Well, managing technology is incredibly complex. IT covers all processes and everything IT does impacts people in some way. The function is only 3 decades old but changing at the fastest pace. Technology industry is highly profitable with intense marketing. Tech companies have the vast majority of the tech talent, not you. Clarity Chat purpose is rooted in helping you solve IT challenges for business success, to help you decode the complexity, to help you leverage partners effectively, to help you partner with business more effectively, to help you manage change better, to help you attract talent. You get this clarity via experiences of CIOs and business leaders shared informally and candidly over a cup of tea. Welcome to the Clarity Chat podcast. Please uh, share your growth stories, you know, some incidences from your early and mid-career which shaped the Prabir of today. Thank you. Thank you, Jagdish. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, at, at a start level, I must say that I am the boy next door, right? Uh, like anyone else, typical middle-class guy, you know, uh, people become whatever they become with time and suddenly say, oh my God, he must be something different. But no, I mean, I'm, I'm just like anybody else, my I grew up in small towns in Bihar, did a lot of my schooling from Patna. My father was uh, in the IPS. So typical, you know, disciplined middle class uh, reality. It was comfortable, but we moved around as transfers happened, went to good Jesuit schools. And uh, from uh, Patna, you know, uh, coming from Bihar, Jagdish, you will appreciate that if you're a bright guy, you are expected to have initials after your name. So UPSC is almost, by, it's a default algorithm, right? There's no private sector to think about. So it was Delhi, it was St. Stevens, it was, uh, I was writing my MA finals when I cleared the UPSC first chart. And therefore from jumping on and off BTC buses, it was, you became a sahab or a bada sahab overnight. At the age of about 23, I became, you know, sahab, so to speak. So it was a very uh, predictable and an assured uh, uh, way. And since you asked me the question, I had never ever thought I will do an MBA, specialize in HR, cross sides and come to the corporate sector. No way. You know, I was getting a little bored with all the feudal lifestyle one had, uh, you know, in Pune where I was posted, old colonial bungalows and, and stuff like that. But I wanted to study and then I said, let me do an MBA. And why HR was because, you know, I realized that a lot of my civil service experience was about working with everything that today we know as HR and IR, so unions and federations and associations and personnel management. And I realized I was quite enjoying it. 
And if it had to be in HR, then it was naturally going to be accelerated. So I wrote the exam, almost sure I'll never uh, clear it. And that was one very big uh, moment for me. Since you asked me, it was about seven, eight years of civil service time. You get spoiled, pampered, you know. So I, I have never been an individual contributor in my life till the last two years when I founded my own firm. Otherwise, from the age of 20 to 23, I was, uh, you know, always leading people. And uh, to give it all up and finally go and study, you know, stay in a hostel, shared toilets, you know, eight years of government, I had many years to your persona, right? So that was a big change for me. And that was a time when lateral's were not fashionable. So it was a very difficult two years, I'll be honest. It was not the most enjoyable period. Like St. Stephen's was because I was young. I was, you know, so many of my classmates in Excel are a lot more, you know, passionate about their life in Excel. Not me because for me, my wife, I left behind. My daughter was three years old, a second child. She was expecting a second child. So it was, it was all about making sure I finished the course, do well and which I did and come back. My transfer orders had already come in December, you know, in February, March, one trained a coity on my way back. I finally came back to the civil service. So doing an MBA at XLRI was a very important point uh, when I look back because not everyone wants to give up their predictable, assured salary lifestyle, whether in the government or even for that matter, corporate. So to give, take two years away and say, I'm going to do it was a very big decision. And then, of course, for a poor HR handling of my reimbursement claims, ironically, I quit the civil service. <laughs> so ironies of ironies for bad HR, I came into the world of HR. And and then I think the big next big thing that happened for me was when I became the CHRO of Dr. Reddy's uh, at 36, which is fairly fast track. I became the global CHRO of Dr. Reddy's and we did some amazing work uh, in Dr. Reddy's, a company I still respect a lot, including many global uh, M&As, you know, building out the brand. And in that process, you built your reputation. And it was in Hyderabad, a little away from the Bombay's and Delhi's of the world. But I think I personally think that was a very big change. And then, uh, you know, you beckoned me as Tata Motors to come to Bombay House. That was a big change again, because you finally came to Bombay, Tata Motors, Fortune 500 company, lovely office in Bombay House, where you and I have had many, many conversations. And uh, again, Tata Motors was about shaking that old banyan tree. It was not about living in that spirit of just philanthropy, which is really what I would always uh, joke. We are a nice, cuddly company, but are we the are we a lean, mean machine? And uh, you've seen some of that change from policies, practices, systems etc so it was not uh, easy but i think great time uh, we had in shaking things up and then again a big moment happened when mr ambani invited me to be his group chro for all of reliance that was a big opportunity i'd never handled a conglomerate till that time and that was a big decision to leave tatas and join reliance very very difficult decision you have seen me in that phase should i should i not should i should i not because i i loved uh, tata as i loved Tata Motors. But it was a very different challenge because Reliance did not have a great HR reputation and it was a, I'd never done a conglomerate. So that was a big thing. And then finally, the last moment is when two years ago, I actually started my own advisory. It is literally a clock kind of getting completed, having worked with two Fortune 500 companies. I don't think anyone in India, in India has led HR of two Fortune 500 companies and transformation almost all my career. I told myself, can I touch more lives and more companies which need help to get better? And that's the experiment I'm on. It's still early years, two years. Some days I feel great. Some days I feel uh, bored or less leveraged. But this is how the broad uh, milestones of my career, Jagdish, have panned out so far. 
Oh no, this is this is phenomenal. You know, becoming a sahab at 23 and then <laughs> and being late, being late for an MBA at 28. I think it's a little bit late for an MBA. And then from the conversation, I gathered that you married early as well. Yeah, I married a batchmate. Uh, you know, so okay. early enough. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Life was predictable. You you once you get. Uh, to UPSC, you become, as they say, damad for life of the government of India. So, what else you have to do? You know, then you get married and you enjoy uh, living a life. But yeah, it, it, no, I think the big takeaway really uh, for any of our viewers would be to get out of the comfort zone. You know, every time I have left a corporate job, I've given up crores of stock options. I've given up comforts of life, including the current thing of going away from being a big corporate poncho to being only yourself, not a second person, right? It has never happened in my 31 years. But I've always believed that you must take your bets, trust your instinct, your heart, and take the road less traveled, as they say. No, absolutely. I was actually about to come to that. You know, you you took words away from my mouth when I said, you know, like challenging your own comfort zone. You know, like uh, coming out from the very very cozy world of uh, you know civil services to corporate, and then going to Hyderabad, and moving to Mumbai, and and I think for anyone who has uh, you know worked in Tata's, the just the difference of cultures Culture. really scares you away from you know like joining somebody like Reliance so even even you know sometimes I've had those feelers I never could take that jump I must tell you now I always joke Jagdish that I have batted on every batting track possible and if you're yeah. able to hit a good century on every track it means at least so I tell myself you were a good batsman Sarkari pitch pe bat kiya Reddy's mein kiya Tata's mein kiya Reliance mein kiya Sipla mein bhi kiya it was a big transformation story big huge transformation and now doing my own thing I think uh, I've learned a lot and uh, it's kept me very anchored i think the most important part is i've learned all the time and it's kept me anchored so uh, so that's how life has been no i i think i think i think you know two things uh, two takeaways from you know your life story uh, prabir one is like you know to challenge your own comfort zones and second thing what you said you know always keep learning right? never 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 become lazy about changes right. okay so meanwhile uh, to all our audience out there uh, you can start asking your questions and you know tell us where you're joining from and I'll keep pulling your uh, questions. Thank you, Rahul, uh, for your comment. Happy to see uh, Charu and CIO both together from EML. <laughs> yeah, it's Deja Wu, actually. <laughs> True. Hey, Shubham, joining from Agra. That's that's really nice. And then Jakaria, hello. So let's keep it coming, uh, Prabir. Yeah. Uh, now, you've traveled uh, across a range of organizations and, you know, now in your advisory, you are, uh, you know, again, interacting with the multitude of organizations. So what do you see as the major challenges, uh, you know, for digital transformation? Are CEOs, CIOs, leaders and organizations per se, which is the people, are they ready for it? What is the, what are some big shifts that people will, should take in terms of purely in terms of, let's say, culture and change management to, to, to sort of, you know, cross the bridge? Yeah. So I think it's a very loaded question and we can keep talking uh, uh, a long time, but I'll try and give you a headline view. See, I think the intellectual support to digital transformation is there almost everywhere. Everywhere. There is no CEO, or there is no board member or there is no uh, CXO who says, I do not want to leverage uh, digital. And particularly with COVID, many people who otherwise felt that it was very difficult, it was very esoteric, this entire world of digital. I think that way life has become a lot. But having said that, you know, 
know, I think it's a huge journey and I do advise a number of clients and I, from my own experience, including companies who have spent a lot of money on this agenda, I don't think we move as fast and as effectively. And the reasons are multiple. First, many people believe that it is a very difficult monster. It's like mathematics in school. We believe that it's very tough. Whereas the reality, and you know it better than me uh, today, from a user perspective, you just need to enjoy the experience. You are not expected to code. You are not expected to do anything which is difficult, right? You just have to feel comfortable. And today, technology has become very intuitive. You know, a Facebook or an Amazon or any of our, uh, you know, app-based reality, which we learned to actually type on a on a laptop. So its first is disposition. Is the mindset about change? Is the mindset about trying to learn and and move to a newer world of doing things. So that is, I think, very important. The second, which I think Jagdish is a big issue, is that organizational cultures are not adequately in sync with the ask of a digital transformation. See, what digital transformation does is it actually reads and leads and, and nurtures information democracy. Everything is available to people. And historically, leaders, managers have survived by being holders of information. Mere pass information hai. That was your source of power, which actually goes away. You can actually track, everyone can track where, you know, particular transaction is, where is it pending, for how long. You can actually see everything. You can do all your analytics on that, which also creates a lot of anxiety in the system because it throws up, you know, uh, the constraints in the system. It throws up where the laggards are and stuff like that. So it is very natural that culture shift from being comfortable with openness, transparency, vis-a-vis -vis the world of command and control is a huge cultural shift which companies are struggling with. Third, I believe that not everyone markets digital transformation as well as it should be done. You see, the emphasis is not about technology transformation. The, the marketing is what does it do for you? How does it simplify your job? How does it make you better in the marketplace? How does it make your stakeholders have a better experience of whether you are sales, your marketing, your technology, R&D, your uh, HR, it doesn't matter. But because it gets presented more as a technology technology solutions exercise, you know, the ownership almost says it's the CIO or the IT guy's responsibility. And that it's like in HR, we say HR is not just an HR function's responsibility. It's a leadership responsibility. And there's a difference between HR, the function and HR, the agenda. Similarly for IT or digital, there is digital, the function or IT, the function and digital, the agenda, which is by default more inclusive, right? And I think that uh, presentation or that ownership by the function or by the leadership, I think is, is one big uh, uh, challenge that I find. And the last which I personally am struggling with is what is the quality of talent which embraces digital? Is it willing? Is it open? You have multi-generational demographics, right, in workforces. Some are very easy to adopt and adapt. Some actually crib that, you know, our IT structures and infra infrastructure is, is way beyond what I was already used to. And there are still some people who feel lost where you're doing, you know, our, your, the IT transaction. And second is how much of talent you have to nurture and drive this transformation. You know, at the end of the day, whether it's the IT organization, maybe we'll talk about it as we go forward. Does it actually have the, what I call the adequate talent? I'm not talking about technical talent, the capability to anchor, handhold, influence, persuade, you know, work with other people because it's a leadership job. Transformation is a leadership job. It's not a te technology. It's just a route. It's a conduit. So I think the way it is presented, sold, understood, 
the fears and anxieties that it almost as default like mathematics uh, you know presents and the kind of talent it serves and the kind of talent that it has to be its handmaiden i think all of this makes it very difficult and if i add just one last point i also believe whenever a digital transformation is being attempted there's a huge tendency of companies or for that matter within companies of functions to say i am unique jagdish i have worked across industries and our clients today are cross industry it is not funny everyone believes they are unique and i can i can tell you i can bet my reputation there is no industry that i find as unique there are nuances but nothing is unique but because people think it's unique they want to be a it enabling maybe an outdated process and a, a jinxed practice now if you actually are hardwiring a process and practice which is uh, you know ancient it's not going to work so one of my favorite lines and i used to talk about this if you remember even in tata motors one of my favorite lines has been we are trying to solve often a pediatric problem with a geriatric solution and that somewhere also is is part of our digital transformation uh, challenge that you know you want it but you don't understand or scope the problem as comprehensively as you do and the poor cio is often blamed and if you can't blame the cio you can always blame hr right you'll always have something to blame but this i think is uh, not enough of ownership and accountability and i'll be honest everyone says the right thing but the drive and ownership that chief executive should have uh, of this agenda is not as strong yet despite what they would be talking from the pulpit let us be honest i think organizations are still more quarter on quarter focused than actually strategically uh, architecting because boards keep them on their toes by the quarter so what will the poor ceo do so it's a it's a medley of issues but i hope it gives you a flavor of my perspective of what possibly could be challenges with this digital transformation as a sub I I fully uh, uh, agree with you. I think you've touched all the right chords, Prabir. And you know, I think I think the important perspective is like you know, which is a beyond IT uh, perspective that you gave. You know that you know it's about culture. You know the whole uh, edifices are built on uh, command and control and information as an asset. And the I moment think. you democratize it, you know what happens. You know a lot of uh, palaces get kind of shaken, isn't it? shaken up and and people don't want to talk about it but the fact is there are many people who are hanging on they want to get jobs extensions beyond retirement we have had our share of experiences right so you know at yep. the end of the day if there is more of self interest and self survival at play how will you ever build a future ready ecosystem absolutely absolutely yeah yeah a lot of times you know this becomes you know what's good for me instead of what's good for the company that's right? and and i remember you know when you said uh, enough ownership and uh, uh, enough ownership at a ceo level is required but even beyond that i remember you know one of the last things i did before leaving tata motors was you know take the entire executive team out uh, you know on a retreat and uh, I spoke to the CEO and the CEO wanted to really drive it and I said listen you will drive it but can you drive it alone yeah that's you know, is, so, so you know that was like a loaded question to ask him that is your team ready Correct. and you know it was but, like all but the- you know I must compliment you i still remember you would come uh, to our uh, uh, ec meetings right and show also the gartner trends patterns i have not seen in many companies the cio coming and educating the management team right of how is the world changing where should you be playing the choices which quadrant do you want to be and uh, see it's all about uh, you know i talk about building hr literacy in leadership it's the same building it or digital leadership you are not expected to be the expert for that the cio is there 
you know, there are partners, vendors and whoever else. But the question is, are you willing to even acknowledge and understand how the world could change? So this curiosity is, if you ask me, is still very low in many CXOs. They are very here and now. If you ask me, companies talk about leaders. They should talk about leadership. And this is one reason why companies are faltering because they're obsessed with personalities. You know, I am a big guy, but there is no leadership. And one of the dimensions of leadership is the willingness to learn, you know, where the world is going, the opportunities of change and transformation, and then bless it. So you're right. It's not just the CEO. He's a very important uh, stakeholder, he or she, but the executive team is very very, very important because if they don't own what will the poor CIO deliver? Yeah, no, absolutely. So anyway, so just to you know, complete that incident, you know, so it was kind of a so he went into a thinking mode and and he said, Jagdish, you're right. So then we immediately pivoted instead of like driving it. We said, okay, let's first work on, you know, broad basing it. And then uh, we conceptualized a program, 25 of the top leaders. We took them out and then, you know, like brainwashed them for two days, you know, one day external brainwashing, one day like, you know, doing, doing it yourself, DIY kind of thing, a design thinking workshop but i think you know th- there's a lot of these soft aspects that you mentioned culture leadership you know information democracy and all of that, that uh, which are very important so prabir uh, i mean i'm surprised by the number of questions which have started coming in uh, but let me uh, quickly acknowledge uh, hey thanks vishwavidit datta nayak datta tre from muskat uh, varun uh, there's a linkedin user from cincinnati that should wow. be a little early there but yeah thanks for doing that neeja old colleague from jamshedpur uh, uh, Varun and uh, Prashant Shakunjai. I'm not really pulling up everything here. I'm just searching for questions here. Okay, so we have one question from Girish here, which is uh, as part of digital transformation, what would be your advice on realigning moments of celebrations and making the value scorecard realization visible at predefined intervals? It's a great question. You know, first moments of celebration, then, you know, great, uh, Jagdish, you might uh, want to add your perspective. See, at the end of the day, I always believe if you wait to reach Mount Everest to celebrate success, you'll never get to Mount Everest. Yeah, You've got yeah. to celebrate every step to every new base camp. So when you're doing a transformation journey, it may take you three years, four years, right? But the important part is celebrate. Celebrate not just individuals, but celebrate teams and by default cross-functional teams. The more you celebrate the togetherness, the more it creates positive momentum. And Jagdish will bear me out. And if there are people who talk about us, they'll bear me out on this uh, uh, chat. I'm a very strong, positive psychology kind of an anchored uh, thinker and leader, right? The more you build positive stories, it's not about cash reward. It's just about celebrating success, applauding them, right? You create more positive momentum. So you should do that first because then you can also raise the bar. The more you celebrate, the more you can raise the bar. The other question that you had was about, you know, what should be the kind of defined dashboard? Simple thing is you must. But my counsel always is always under promise and over deliver, whether it's timelines or outcomes. The challenge is when you start an agenda like this, we actually, in order to get sponsorship and support, we sometimes get overboard. And then when the cookie starts to crumble, and which it which always does, because there are some near-term things which get impacted and you say, okay, we'll do this later. Let's attempt something else. There is a little bug or a hiccup that happens. Someone suddenly leaves the transformation team. It does set you back. There are many things which happen. So I always believe, please always think of black swans, think of Murphy's, what can go wrong, and always therefore risk mitigate expectation. And then you always play back. This we wanted to do in six weeks, we've done it in five weeks. This we wanted to do you know, in this manner, this is what we've achieved. So as long as you are able to set expectations which are real, 
life is good, especially when you're starting a project because early wins also are great, you know, motivators, but also very importantly for naysayers, don't give them an opportunity to spike the project. So these are very simple leadership uh, uh, techniques, but uh, I hope that helps you with some thoughts and ideas. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I want to recall one personal experience, Praveen, and you have attended those events. I think the year after I joined, I kind of, I looked at, I was really, uh, you know, I was admiring the kind of work that had happened, even though it was like, you know, we had lots of gaps from a future point of view, but from what it was, quite a bit of work. And then I, I said, nobody ever celebrated it. Nobody ever communicated it. So we conceptualized the annual IT event outdo. Correct. You remember, Correct. ran it Correct. every Correct. every year on winter time. We ran it, and uh, a good part of it was actually to you know uh, go to the senior leaders, whoever we have done some big projects with, and and ask and record right. their shows. Correct. And then when we played it, yeah, when we played it in front of like you know hundred odd IT managers, there was that pride which cannot come, you know, if I just appreciate somebody, right? Absolutely. And you did so, it so well. I remember, and you did. So well. See, some people think it's a cost. To me, these are investments you make. You know, this Absolutely. is what makes the troops want to do more, better, right? That someone is noticing, it's being applauded, called out. So you yeah. did it very well. I still remember. So, so I, I I remember the first time I went for approval, you know, this the, the cost was the obvious question. And then I, <laughs> I just put it as a percentage of my IT budget. And it was like <laughs> such a small percentage that we just laughed it on yourself. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, thanks, thanks uh, Prabhu, for that. And, you know, very important point there about under-promise, over-deliver. And I think that's what builds the credibility and trust uh, the other way around. So um, I'll come back to questions again, but uh, I have something important, which is also being asked around here, which is uh, Prabir, uh, you know, uh, this is a good forum to get some feedback on the CIO community as such. And, you know, again, uh, drawing back on your experience in multiple companies then and now right and having seen so many cios uh what are the what are some of the expectations that business leaders have from cios of course they have lots of expectations but the question is a little different are all these expectations fair or are all of these expectations on the cio side and uh, what are the areas where you know they need to be kind of evened out a little bit and which are those areas where you know the cios have unmet expectations where they need to do some stretch you know, in many ways, uh, this story would apply to my own uh, function and fraternity in HR. It's almost the same. At one level, I think it's still work in progress. Expectations of a business leader is, can I get my fundamentals of IT support working right? It's basics because not every company, it is as smooth as they would like that, you know, I mean, even getting, an, you know, your uh, basic IT infrastructure in place, people having things that they can confidently work on and stuff like that. That is one. If their expectations are not higher then part of a CIO's remit is to help educate and say this is where the world of IT or digital has gone. And that itself is one level of partnership. Responses could vary. Some are very keen to therefore, oh, is it so? Is it so? Very much like HR. If you expect the only thing is hiring and uh, letting go of people and payroll, then that's what you will get out of your HR team, right? So that's one part. Expectations of any client or any stakeholder are never impossible. And that's how the world should be, right? You should expect more. And I have felt the more organizations or my peers have demanded of me and my team, it has got 
more out of me because that's how we also uh, deliver. So one is how do you actually deliver the here and now? Because if you don't deliver the here and now, there is no way someone will believe in you to deliver the there and there. So that's the first part. But I think smart CIOs should be able to make sure that they vacate their space. They have the right people. They have the right outsource partners who ensure the here and now is delivered very flawlessly and smoothly. Now it enables them to have more strategic conversations. What could we do which will dramatically change your business, which can dramatically change your function, disrupt your business, disrupt your function, beat competition, you know, disrupt the industry. And now depending on where you are in the continuum, you can help them say, this is what we would like to do. I have seen Jagdish that today, at least in the last some years, you know, there is a much closer, earlier it used to be the CIO was driving a lot of the uh, uh, choices. I now find a lot of functions are actually making that kind of a choice. This is my need. And they are seeing the CIO as a partner to help implement and take the agenda forward. So I think the partnership in many organizations is getting stronger, but the indifference in some companies is still very palpable. So that's the second part. The third is I have had the fortune of working with some very, very good CIOs, right? Uh, including you earlier in Dr. Reddy's in Reliance. I hired a group CIO uh, in uh, Sipna. We had a lady who was a very good CIO. I think the problem is not with the CIO. The CIOs are fairly forward looking, right? They are talking about the new world. Then I think the CIO's functional team is often the uh, uh, place where the ball is falling between the cracks. You know, uh, I have had, uh, like we have HR business partners. I have also had in Dr. Reddy's I had, and I definitely remember in uh, uh, Reliance I had, and Tata Motors, of course, you and I were very closely joined at the hip. So, a lot of it was leveraging technology. But if you have a strong, dedicated uh, IT partner who understands the issues, problems, can help prioritize with the, uh, uh, with the client, the internal client better, I have found it very efficient for CIOs because the CIO cannot be the only business partner. And I think where most IT companies are falling, part of it is the talent shortage. People want to work rather than in a product company or an integrate uh, enterprise integration company than internal IT. So the CIOs actually need to get to be a function which more people are wanting to come in, either from non-IT background, but with interest in IT, right? And you've had some experiences of that uh, uh, earlier or people from IT who are wanting to actually uh, be there. So I think both the uh, design of the CIO organization in terms of vertical depths of the new emergent areas and the horizontal, you know, which is, uh, or the other way around, uh, you know, yeah, horizontal, which is more about business partnership. I think that is very weak. And part of the challenge is people think it's a cost. IT teams are becoming bloated. There are too many people in IT, right? But the fact is, as an end user or as a client of IT, I have always felt that it made life so much easier because I had guidance available at any point in time. Probably this is what you should be doing. This is how I think the world is going. This is what I think you should be rocking the HR system to do. So it was great counsel. And second is for me, it was a single window for execution. He would work with the rest of the CIO organization or any partners and product companies, right? But it, it's a great win-win. So I think under investing in the IT function, and you started talking about the approval we went together to get from the CEO. I have always backed the CIO on this because, you know, unfortunately, if you take a CFO view of life, everything is a cost, right? But the, the irony of life is we, we measure the cost immediately, but we don't visualize the uh, investment. It has an investment, the payoff, the time 
reduce the the upside of that and i think that conversation negotiation honestly the cios are largely left alone you know largely left alone it's a tough uh, uh, battle there because who is going to help the cio on that agenda because that investment is 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 seen as a cost in many places so these are some thoughts which are coming to my mind of where i think the challenges are for the cio as a look at their agenda yeah, I, I think- Hey, I am your podcast host Jagdish Belwal. I had a rich career as CIO at Tata Motors and GE. Now, as an advisor, I help organizations transform with technology. Technology is necessary for digital transformation, but not sufficient. So I help organizations with the rest of it: leadership, strategy, culture, change management, etc. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. For now, keep listening and don't forget to subscribe the podcast and do connect with me on LinkedIn. I think I think I think very valid one. I think as CXOs individual, you know, relationship expectations they are being met, but you know when it comes to problem solving and heavy lifting within the function, I think those partnerships that are required, uh, you know, uh, and I think this is uh, you know there is a question about you know where HR can play a role. in the digital transformation and then in digital transformation and then you know how can cios and chros convince management to move towards a strategic perspective of it and hr uh, i think this kind of uh, you know addresses some of those questions because the first thing before you get into addressing these issues you have to find that depth you know which is the techno functional depth and uh, i think one of the biggest functions we built uh, prabir in it was the brm function the business relationship Correct. management Correct. Correct. i think uh, almost 30% 30 40% of our workforce was into that just given the scale and spread of you know it i remember when i had joined you know across six different plants at that time we had only two people covering them and when i wanted to like you know have one drm per plant the question immediately was like headcount and cost Correct. and then and then i had to like say that hey you know what i mean just look at the distribution each of the plants is generating a throughput of thousands of crores and do you need a a dedicated person to manage the reliable you know throughput of that of you know your turnover or not and i think i think those are some of the figures you know that kind of convince people that yes I, I think nobody looked at it as a you know giving an IT a dedicated IT person for four thousand crores of a plant. It was just a plant. So I think sometimes. But you know you but you raise a a a, a very uh, important point, Jagdish. And see, if I had to kind of uh, coach a CIO, I would say, how well do you influence? Not everyone is Jagdish. Let's be honest. See, the CIO also has to learn. how to influence so remember how many times you would come and have a conversation with now if you are not going to engage or you are not able to help the other side you're not going to get an approval just because you sent a note right so the art of influencing i think is definitely an area that uh, cios need to get better at it's not just data or technology solution it's also an art right how do you connect how do you rewire how do you you know explain the logic from the other side's viewpoint not your viewpoint right absolutely and i 
see Jayshree has a question here. How can HR player lead role? Actually, some ways with the partnership you and I had, just as an example, it was we both agreed that it is needed. I cannot transform HR if I don't play the tech game in quick time. And you know how much we moved, uh, you know, a lot of our age-old paper and pen processes to technology. We couldn't do it if you do not have the expertise. You don't know which are the vendors. Even the vendor evaluation we did together as HR and uh, IT. So it's about respect, uh, accepting that you can't do without the other. So that's one. And the ability of the CIO to strategic and strategically influence. But HR, where can it play a role? Couple of areas. One, a lot of the digital transformation exercise is in the mind. So when I got recognized, you talked about that SAP uh, and uh, Mint gave me that Digitalist of the Year award. I was the only non-IT or non-technology guy in that thing. And this was in CIPLA. And uh, we did a dramatic leap forward on that because it's the mindset you're changing. It's the culture you are changing. How will you get people to say, you know what, five signatures and paper and pen is dead. It is over. How do you ensure information democracy becomes a way of life, right? Because a lot of it is about change of culture, which is actually a very clear HR agenda. Second is a lot of influencing, a lot of influencing of leaders. Like in that example, you were citing of the CEO is a joint exercise when the CHRO says, you know what, I want to make that investment of 20 IT resources. Yes, it's going to cost me money, but I want to support the CIO's request. You are enabling the CIO with the capability that will otherwise you'll be going into battle with, uh, you know, toy soldiers and, uh, you know, with, with uh, toy guns. It's not going to change things. And the last thing that is important is, you know, a lot of things about digital transformation is about organization, re-architecting, structure, practices, processes. These are ticklish political exercises, forget the logical part of it. And it is up to HR to decide. Therefore, now when you have technology like this, why do you need so many people to do this operation? Why does this sub-function need to exist? Right? These are difficult calls, sensitive calls. But if you don't do that, you will have too much of coexistence and by default, people will regress into doing it the way they have always worked before. So I think that is where HR actually can play a very, very strong co-ownership role of the digital transformation. So I think a very topical question, Prabhu, uh, you know, when I was uh, briefing you about the clarity chat, I mentioned about this whole asynchronicity of talent, right? Asymmetry of talent, sorry. So almost, I mean, less than 5% of the IT talent, technology talent is actually on the enterprise side. And uh, more than 95% of it is on like, you know, the product or the services side. So I think uh, this question is in that context that, you know, it's so difficult to retain talent, uh, retain or attract talent uh, in non-IT companies, especially manufacturing companies. How, how would you solve this problem if you were, uh, let's say, a CHRO of, you know, manufacturing company today? Okay. And competing with the Google likes of Google's and Microsoft in attracting talent. So I've talked about this subject uh, even when I was in Tata Motors on some public platform. See, part of it is you don't compete on non-competables. You compete on what you can compete on. And one of the things I tell people is what stops you from becoming a brand to a target audience that is wanting to be part of your. See, let's be honest, not everyone will get to Google. Not everyone will, will want to get there for a variety of reasons, including 
social or familial reasons. You've got to build a brand of interest that that talent pool finds you worth their interest. So you also don't have sweeping attrition. Some attrition is good, is healthy. I don't believe that it's a crime if some of your guys go and join some of the product companies. Similarly, there are some people who discover after having spent time in product companies that they actually want to be on the other side of business. Is your radar high? Is your radar looking for talent all the time? See, this is a part of a problem, not only for IT, but even for other functions. They believe it's HR's job. It is every leader's job to attract talent of the kind that serves their purpose and that will will serve. You're not needing to give lifelong employment, but as long as you have base stability, it is fine. Second is, can some jobs be made what I call de-rigure? De-risk your function. Not every job needs, you know, a top-notch guy. For example, being a successful business partner, an IT business partner does not need you to be the last word on technology uh, solving. You need relationship. Like even the uh, IT services companies, the guy who does sales is, is a relationship manager, is not the expert who sits in the delivery organization. They are basically relationship guys. They don't, they, they are not necessarily the last word on technology. I'm, I will be very honest, right? They sell technology, but they are not technology experts. They might carry two technology experts with them. So similarly, you know, it's a myth to say everyone in a product company is of the same type. It's not true. Similarly, the kind of person you need in the IT organization does not have to be the exact guy of the product company because partnership model is actually here to stay. You know, I'll give you a small example. I do not also believe that everyone has to be captive in an IT department of a company. Some things have outsourced. In HR, in my last job in CIPLA, within eight months or 12 months of my joining, we had outsourced all our transactions, HR transactions, to a third party, shared services model. I downsized HR by 40%. But the kind, the quality of HR was very different. Instead of people who were literally transacting guys, these were all fresh, young, smart MBAs who could engage with business, understand business. So the quality of conversation changed. So the fact is, it will be a mix of right partnership. It will be a it will be a mix of right internal engagement and relationship. And most important of all is there will be some people you should be comfortable losing. So you make it de-rigure. Not every job uh, do you need to retain. It's fine if the guy serves with me for two years, I'm done. I'll hire the next youngster and, and, and I will leverage the energy of that youngster. But these are five roles that I would like to kind of make sure that I retain. I give them visibility to leadership. I I you know, attention and significance is a very, very important way of keeping people in. You can talk about technology, you can talk about money, but the fact is human beings are human beings. You know, I remember when you had hired uh, some of the senior people, the FaceTime they had even with me regularly. See, it makes a lot of difference that I can walk into Prabir's room, I can engage with, and they still continue to be in touch with, right? They were your uh, uh, reports, your team members. Why is it that they got that visibility? In many IT organizations, they don't get an audience with uh, a CXO. So people stay for their reasons. And you will have your constraints. You don't have to pay. It's like saying, if I left the civil service, I left the civil service. But did I leave it for money? No, I did not leave it for money. There is something that pushes you out. And when I look at my own career, Jagdesh, and I analyze my exit, every exit was somewhere an issue of philosophy. Somewhere. And someone reached out at that point. The question is, how do you make sure that your IT team does not typically have too many weak moments? But you cannot fight a war saying that I will pay them what Google pays or I will give them the opportunity because you can't. I mean, that's not your nature of business. Why would you want to do that? So instead of feeling small, think smart. What is it that suffices for you? What talent sure. suffices for you? Like, you know, the second careers program where you 
used to have in Tata's as an example. There may be women who have a fair background who can actually be great guys in IT departments and may not want to work with the Googles of the world. Leverage them, but you say, though, but she will come only three days in a, in a week. So what? Start with that. It will become four days once you make the person. So I think it needs a lot of imagination and a lot of dispelling of conventional myths. The challenge is no one thinks uh, very different. They all want the standard cookie cutter. And HR also in many companies is the culprit. I have a client company where uh, I mean they're trying to hire a very strong digital team. Now the head of digital has come absolute blue chip background. But now if down the line for the people that he is trying to hire, HR says my salary band is only this to this in this grade. I mean, you will lose the plot. I mean, this is so stupid. If you want five guys of a certain kind, you will have to disrupt that band and say, this is what it takes to hire five Google kind of characters. And that, beyond that, I don't need. Rest 20 can be average. Fine. But these five, I will want to do. So I think back to influence, back to partnership, back to the ability to visualize, evangelize. Ultimately, yeah. I believe it's always the softer things which decides success yeah. or failure. I mean, that's how it is. So, so, so you're, you're so right, you know, uh, Prabir, it kind of made me reflect on our own experience. So when I had taken over as the CIO, I had very big plans, but you know, I mean, I'd had nothing to show actually to a prospective hire. And I remember I spoke to many people. Finally, I think we found that pitch, you know, we actually had to, had created a strategy and, you know, we had a buy-in from the management. And then I, I crafted a story which, which helped me attract somebody from GE, which helped me attract somebody from Oracle, right? And I remember one discussion that I had with you and, uh, you know, my boss, which was about hiring somebody who was actually uh, costing more than me. And I was like, I'm okay with that, you know, I because the guy is going to make that kind of difference. And uh, I think, I think it was, personally, it was very satisfying for me or, you know, I felt indebted, you know, when we hired that guy and then, I think in the next round you I guys remember. made corrections to me. <laughs> I know you were instrumental in that, but no, but but I that's also Jagdish important. You must hire some people who are better than you. Absolutely. You know, people yeah. tell me sometimes that Prabir, what do you owe your success? You know, I always say I think I always hired people who are better than me because when you hire people better than you, it frees you up to do more strategic things, right? Absolutely. And your job is to make sure all these bright guys they actually gel together and deliver your output. But unfortunately, the insecurity, particularly in India, of our leaders and managers is hire someone who will never take your job, who will never question you. And that is how the melee starts and this issue about talent. It applies to IT as well because if the CIO feels insecure, he will never come and say, I want to hire this guy and even pay him, you know, more than what, because that's what is good for the company. But again, that's why you're an exception. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, thanks. Thanks, Prabir. Prabir, I think we are like, you know, just about uh, a few minutes away. Yes, yes. So let me, let me convert some of these into rapid fire questions before I ask my own rapid fire. So I let me uh, pick up from here. Okay. So remember, probably these are rapid fires. Okay. So sure. why is there no succession planning for CIOs in most of the organizations? It is not there for any CXO. So CIO also is no exception. It is a larger melee. People think they are all immortal. Okay. Every, no one is going to pass away. They want to hang on and then get an extension or a re-employment. So the same thing applies for CIO. It's no different. It's a huge leadership challenge. And I use that word. He, companies focus on leaders. They don't focus on leadership. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. So, so the next rapid fire for you from the audience is still grappling with the 
experience how should we convince the leadership a suit solution or the point solution particularly in hr based on existing it landscape you know the best way to do it is talk about what if scenario what if if we did this the disaster what will happen what if we did this what is the benefit when you start painting what ifs first in terms of philosophy and principles and you get endorsement then you come and and talk specific it is always a good management mantra it has worked with me i always get agreement on philosophy and principles then you put the face name and whoever you want to hire otherwise you know once they have said no it is very difficult for them to agree on the philosophy just invert the way you influence chances are you Ab- get to over no absolutely that that's a that's a that's a great one Okay, so the next one is role of MBA while moving up from mid management to leadership. It depends on the culture of the company. I know many people without an MBA who've risen to the top. But if I go by a broad rule of thumb, people say MBA होना चाहिए. How much of that MBA he remembers or she remembers, I don't know. And I'll tell you, I have hired in HR people who were not from HR. They were people who were R&D scientists, salespeople, medical doctors. They never went out of HR. They acquired qualifications. So it depends on the assurance of the individual leader. and manager it is not a must but having said that a good mba definitely helps with mid career mobility it is a practical thing at least you are not singled out but if you are brilliant it doesn't matter what education and what was your and what you studied also yes no, absolutely absolutely so this is the one that uh, probably if you allow me i can take a little bit of a technical question automation happens in isolation without building interfaces with other connected processes and consequently the team is still pulling out reports and doing it manually so shakunjay uh, my take on this is that you know you know we have this feeling that architects are technology architects you know the real architect look at technology and process together okay and that's why you the one way to build a good architecture team is to look at people who have that depth in processes as well where they are able to connect you know uh, multiple systems across a single flow of process as much as they know technology so uh, coming to other questions prabir yeah here is a question from a linkedin user i can't see the name what is the role of negotiation no negotiation is when you have something to give and someone has something to take that is negotiation you know it is important because at the end of the day you know every organization within or without is has constraints talent money time resources and you're always negotiating for a little bit more for you or your function or your agenda so it is important i use the word influence and to me if you have no other strength as a leader please be a master of influence because leadership is nothing but influence so even when you negotiate some people don't appear as negotiators they appear as influencers which is a far better state to be in they have negotiated they've got everything but the guy feels it's so brilliant you want to give away more right so influence is very important which is a separate subject of agenda which is the ways of influence how do you influence x as different from y many people do not have enough flexibility in their influencing styles they behave the same way with everyone else and that is why it doesn't work with everyone but that's a different discussion but negotiation important influence is the epitome of smart negotiation uh, i think you uh, responded to this question uh, prabir which is the people try to incorporate every exceptions to uh, yeah, automation yeah. i think <laughs> this is a bad process and you automate it and think that you know it will give you a different outcome it won't i mean and this is almost perennial i have seen this all this fight everywhere including in my own function where people will say but you know we need to do it like this we have always done it i said you may have done it but tell me why you need to do it you don't need to do it because it was needed 10 years ago it's not needed today so why don't you have a smarter process so see this is part of change management people love to talk change but try brushing your teeth with the other hand this evening you'll know what it is you know yeah. so 
so it's it's part of change so yeah no i call it like you know like you have these village roads where, where there are uh, uh, you know these uh, speed breakers uh, every kilometer and you replace it with the highway but don't replace the speed breakers yeah <laughs> Correct, correct. Well said. Uh, Prabir, my rapid fires, single single sentence answers. Okay. This is what I promised the audience. Okay. The biggest okay. difference from the point of view between digital first organizations versus uh, old organizations. Visualization. You need to visualize the future if you're a digital first organization. Old world is incomplete. Absolutely. No, great, great point. What's the one thing that CIO should do differently to drive digital transformation? I think they should reimagine. They should reimagine both the outcomes and also their influencing uh, uh, style. So reimagine. Step back. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think a lot of what you told today was about that. Okay. Uh, what's the biggest support CIO should ask HR for? Help me enable uh, the change culturally and help me get the right talent for me to uh, deliver the ask. Two things. Great. Uh, what's the biggest hindrance you see for digital transformation in the executive teams, top teams? Inertia inertia i think and uh, honestly i think a little bit of uh, turf protection no one wants to let go i think these are the two reasons why uh, very honestly are the biggest issues you can give every other answer but my honest answer is this is it okay and the last one the fifth rapid fire for you what should leaders in the 40s and 50s do differently to become leaders in the digital age spend more time with digital natives get reverse mentored by them unlearn you know uh, Often by the time you're in your 40s, 50s, you start pulling rank and experience number of years. Doesn't work, especially if you want to be a digital leader. So unlearn, get reverse mentored by digital natives. Oh, no, that's that, that's great, Prabir. So Prabir, uh, I asked you a lot of questions. I'm sure you want to pay back. Is there anything you want to ask me? <laughs> I have one question, Jagdish. You know, yeah, I have only one question. It's a typically good HR question, what I've tempted to ask you. You know, you've been a very successful CIO and now you run your own advisory helping organizations on their tech transformation agenda. What is that one advice you would have given the younger Jagdish Pelwal, let's say, who was 10 years younger, you know, which you did not have or which you missed with hindsight? One advice that you would yeah, when I look back, uh, Prabir, uh, you know, I mean, there was this whole passion about, you know, like getting ahead of the pack and, you know, like becoming um, more and more competitive with the with technology and taking the function like so far ahead, you know, that to become the benchmark. I think I ran too fast and I pushed people too hard. And uh, mm. uh, while it did get the job done, it did get us, you know, the accolades and, you know, the transformations. So it's like, you know, we worked hard, we played hard, but I think, you know, at one point in time, there were just too many things that I was trying to do. And, you know, now looking back, I kind of realized that, you know, if you do just uh, maybe, you know, we did five things over two years, but, you know, it would have been probably better to do like, you know, two things at a time. Okay. But you achieve the same thing. It, it doesn't take you two years. to So achieve prioritize better and space it better. better. So, so you're able to impact still better. So prioritize space and therefore impact better. Wow. Well yep. said. Yep. And it takes, More. it takes courage to look back and advise yourself. But that's the wisdom that, you know, they say that fools make the same mistake 
the wise men learn from mistakes of others. So you know, uh, this is great sharing and great example of vulnerability. Thank you, Jagdish. Thank no, you. I, I must say, Praveen, that you know, when I look back, I if there is one thing I have to say sorry to my old colleagues for, it is just to drive them too hard. It's just because we were like trying to do too many things. <laughs> too many things. Great. Excellent. Hey, but, Excellent. But great session, Praveen. I think I kind of I don't. I mean, it's, it seems like you know we've been talking for two hours with the kind of. <laughs> No, and if people have any more questions, I'm sure they can reach out to us on LinkedIn or wherever. So there were some questions people asked we did not. So if they message us or something, I'm sure we'll be happy to share our perspective with viewers whose answers we may, questions we may not have answered. Sure. So we have, uh, you know, uh, one question which I can answer. It says whether the session recording will be available. Yes, it will be available on LinkedIn and uh, it's available on YouTube also. Uh, for all the people who are watching it afterwards, I must say that, you know, initially we had a problem connecting from the streaming tool to LinkedIn. So there's a bit of a repetition in the beginning. I, you, it would look like a, for people watching on YouTube, it would look like I've introduced Prabhi twice. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, uh, I think, I think uh, great engagement, uh, good questions. Uh, in fact, I asked lesser questions because, you know, I think your questions, uh, all the audience were similar to or you asked all the right questions so i didn't have to ask so many questions uh, but you know yeah keep tuning into uh, clarity chat uh, every Saturday at 5 p.m. learning the art and science of managing IT. I would prefer to put art before. <laughs> and you know, I think what we learned today from Prabir is a lot more of the art and the you know the the the, the softer aspect. I would say the non the aspects which are never written anywhere as such or not taught anywhere. I think those are the things that that's the value of learning from practitioners. So uh, thanks everyone for uh, joining in. Thank you, Prabir, for. Thank uh, you, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you for having me on your show, and all the very best, guys. We we'll look forward to being in touch. Thank care. you. See you, everyone, uh, next Saturday, 5 p.m. Bye bye for now. Bye bye. Wow, what an enthralling and spirited discussion with Prabir. I loved it, and I hope you loved it too. If yes, please do subscribe to the Clarity Chat podcast. It's available on all major podcasting platforms. In our next podcast, I will host Sumit Puri, the Chief Growth Officer at KUF Holdings. In our next podcast, I will host Sumit Puri, the Chief Growth Officer at KEF Holdings and a technology veteran in insurance and healthcare industries. Watch out for our next Clarity Chat podcast with Sumit Puri.